everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, New Point, I want to welcome each and every one of you. I want to give a shout out to our campuses, those of you in Dover and Canton and Worcester, Millersburg, Coshocton, and Cambridge, and those of you who are joining us online, we are honored to be able to have you join us. Now, I know that that some of you are, are dealing with some different emotions because you're sending your kids back to school. You know, maybe for some of you, it's a joyful time. Maybe for others of you, it's a very sad time, but it's part of life. It's one of those seasons that all of us go through, and so I know that you'll be able to do well in it. Now, we're in this series called Plus One, and we're looking at a man named Nehemiah. He's an Old Testament character, and you might say, who is Nehemiah? Well, Nehemiah, his name means comfort. How would you like for that to be your name? Here comes comfort, that no matter where you are, people look at you as someone who brings about comfort and support and help and hope. That was Nehemiah. That was Nehemiah. And he was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a king, he wasn't a warrior, he wasn't even a building contractor, okay? He was just a regular guy. He was a cupbearer, maybe kind of a consultant or an advisor to the king. And that's basically his job. But here's what he learns, and here's the story. The Babylonians had come in and completely destroyed his nation completely destroyed Israel, Judah, crushed them, took away the temple, burned the gates, and basically left the city in complete ruins. And literally thousands and thousands of Jewish people were taken into captivity. Matter of fact, Nehemiah was. And decades had passed and gone. And no one had done anything about it. Oh, they tried, but nobody had the ability to restore it. And one day, Nehemiah heard from his brother, and he asked him the question, what's happening back in our homeland? And what Nehemiah heard crushed his heart. It wrecked him. It overwhelmed him. It disturbed him in the deepest parts of his being. And he was broken because his people, God's people, were vulnerable and they had no leadership, they had no direction. And Nehemiah started to seek God and begin to pray. Matter of fact, throughout scripture, if you read the book of Nehemiah, and I hope that you have been reading it, you find out that Nehemiah prayed 12 different times. And that's why we've encouraged you to be a part of 21 days of prayer, and I trust that you're enjoying that. But Nehemiah prayed 12 different times, and one of the themes of his prayer was that he asked God for opportunity. He asked God for favor. Because here's the incredible thing. When you read the book of Nehemiah, there's really no great, great miracles. 
just a man who saw what is and thought about what could be and what should be, and he started seeking God's heart and asking for opportunity and favor. And so what happens is one day he's before the king, and the king asks him, why are you so sad? And Nehemiah tells him, and the king says, what do you want? And so Nehemiah has this opportunity, and he asks permission to leave his job and to go back to his homeland. Can you imagine that? To assess the situation and perhaps assemble a group of people who he could lead to be able to rebuild the walls and restore the gates. Maybe God could do something in him and through him that had not happened with anybody else. And by the way, you know what? Listen to me. Maybe God can do something in you and through you that he hasn't done with anybody else at your workplace, at your school, in your community. And so Nehemiah just said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna make myself available. I'm gonna pray for opportunities and and favor. And that's what he did. And so he began to work. And initially, things didn't go well. It was a struggle. And yet, what happened is he was persistent because he saw what could be and what should be, and it was fueled with the conviction that it must be. And so they started to make progress. And we know what happens when you begin to make progress, when you begin to make a difference for God. What happens is the moment that you do that, the moment that you begin to do something on behalf of God, the enemy shows up and he wants to discourage you and distract you and disturb you and resist you so that the work would not be completed. You see, what happens is this. There comes a time of when the enemy realizes that he can't destroy you. And so what he tries to do is distract you. And he will do whatever he can to get you distracted so that you won't focus on your mission. You won't focus on your purpose. You won't focus on your calling. You won't focus on that which God has asked you to do. And he'll try to distract you from all of that. And that's exactly what's happening right now in the life of Nehemiah. And so the wall started to go up. And as we've learned, Nehemiah had some enemies that were resisting him, Sambalat and Tobiah and a guy named Geshem. And they tried to distract Nehemiah because they couldn't destroy him and they couldn't, discour- they, they couldn't discourage him. And so what happened is they tried to distract him. And so it is with you and me. If we're not careful, we'll get distracted from the main thing that God wants you and I to focus on. What happens is the, the, the daily grind, okay, will come into your life and life begins to happen, and bills are now, and crises are now, and challenges are now, and vision and purpose can be later, and it's easy for you and I to lose sight of the main thing, and we end up sacrificing the best for the good, and this allows us to run risk of living out secondary issues which rob us of seeing our vision and the vision that God has for our life being completed. You see, here's what I want you to know, and all of us know this, okay? I just want to remind us of this. Distractions 
slowly kill a vision or a purpose. And you and I face distractions every single day as you and I endeavor to pursue that which could be and that which should be. And Nehemiah was dealing with that. You see, distraction with your relationship with God. You ever been distracted from that? Distraction from your marriage, and your marriage begins to slide. Distraction from your family, and your family begins to fall apart. Distraction from parenting. And so what happens is your son, your daughter, is not getting the attention, the affirmation that they need. And he can distract you with many things. He can distract you with your career. He can distract you with your hobbies of keeping you from fulfilling the vision that you have for your marriage, for your family, for your kids, for your relationship with God. By the way, that's, that's why we meet the first day of every week. It's called Sunday. Because what happens is we want to come and refocus because all throughout the week we get distracted by the things of life and we can lose focus on that which is the most important thing, our relationship with God and our relationship with our family. And so that's what was going on in Nehemiah's life at this time. And Sam Ballot and his friends realized that Nehemiah was making progress. They realized that their intimidation of Nehemiah didn't work. And so now they, they were trying to distract him and they knew if they could, dis- listen, if they could distract the leader. L- listen to me, Dad. If I can distract the father of the home, then I can destroy the family because that's the leader. And they knew if they could distract the leader, Sambal and Tobiah, that that would affect the progress of the work. And so here's what we see in Nehemiah. Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. Though we had not yet set up the doors in the gate, so it wasn't fully completed, so Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the village of the plain of Ono. And so what we have here is this. Okay, we have Nehemiah, okay, being distracted by Sambala and Tobiah and Geshem. Now, Nehemiah didn't understand everything that was going on. But what he did understand was that he was called to do a great work. And many times, you and I will not understand the distractions. But you got to know that you've been called to do something great. Have a great marriage. Have a great family have a great relationship with God. And so Nehemiah continues, but I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied, sending them this message. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Wow. He says, I'm doing a great work. Quit bothering me. I'm not going to allow you to distract me. Because he answers this way. He says, why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message because distractions will continue to come repeatedly. And each time I gave them the same reply. What's the reply? I'm doing a great work. I'm emerged in a great work and I can't be disturbed. I can't be distracted. And so how does that look like in your life and in my life? I wanna give you three ways 
that, that, that you and I need to realize about distractions, dangerous distractions. The first one is just opportunities. Opportunities will come along in your life and in my life, and they have the potential to distract you. They have the potential to distract you from the main things that God has called you to do. It might be entertainment. It might be finances. It might be relationships. It might even be quote-unquote religion. It might be your career. It might be a business deal. The list is endless, and they're not necessarily bad. They might even be good. And if they're good, that means that you and I can justify them. But what happens is this. You have to realize that they can be distractions. You see, what you need to realize is you can be busier than ever, making progress and accomplishing a few things that, you know what, aren't the best things. And to accomplish the most important thing, you and I need to learn how to say no. Just say no. You got to say no to the good things so you can say yes to the great things. And many people's lives have been destroyed because you know why? They said yes to the good but didn't say yes to the great. And so what happens is you learn how to say no No is a complete sentence. And when you do that, you'll disappoint people. But that's what it takes if you're going to fulfill that which could be and should be in your life. I love what Paul says in the New Testament, Philippians 1, 9 and 10. He says, I pray that you will have a better understanding and be wise in all things. What does it mean to be wise? It means to have God's perspective. I pray that you will know what is the very best. I pray that you will be able to determine what is best. You see, if Nehemiah would have accepted the visitation that Sambalat wanted him to have, they would have killed him. They would have killed him. They would have destroyed him. They were painting it as an opportunity, but really, they had other plans. And it's the same way with, with your life and my life. There are some things, there are some appointments that you just need to say no to. There's some hobbies that you need to set aside. There's some relationships. If you're going to take advantage of of that which is the very, very best, you've got to say no because these distractions will kill your chances of fulfilling that vision that you have for your marriage, that you have for your family, that you have for your relationship with God. And so you have to say to yourself, no, I'm engaged in a great work. And don't allow the good opportunities to rob you from your family's vision. Don't allow good opportunities to rob you from from being the father, the mother that you're called to be in developing and loving your kids. If you're single, Don't get distracted from your vision of what could be and what should be. Allow God to shape your character while you're waiting for the right person. And what does that mean? You guard your purity. You guard your integrity at all costs. You see, don't allow the distractions of of your vision of being debt-free. Don't get distracted by what your neighbor just purchased or what your brother or your sister just purchased, or what your best friend just purchased. Don't get distracted by the allurement of more stuff. And so opportunities can rob us. The second thing that can rob us is criticism. And we've looked at this. 
Criticism is, is a distraction. Look at what Nehemiah records. He says, the fifth time, they're persistent, okay? Distractions are, Sambalat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Gesson tells me that it's true. Wow, okay? That's kind of like the internet. If it's on the internet, it's gotta be true, right? that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. Wow. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. Continues. He says, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me, okay? Then I sent a message to him saying, this is Nehemiah talking now, nothing like these things that you are saying has been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. Check this out. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. They'll become distracted and discouraged but now God strengthened my hands. You see, here's what you need to understand. Sambala and Tobiah was criticizing Nehemiah, and they wrote a letter, and it said it was basically unsealed. That means that's like you and I sending a postcard to somebody. If you send a postcard to somebody, the postmaster's gonna read it. The, 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 the mailman's gonna read it. Everybody has an opportunity to read it. And that's what they were doing. And what they were doing is they were questioning Nehemiah's motives. They were saying that his motives weren't pure. They were saying that he wanted to be the king of Judah and nothing could have been further from the truth. Yet, if this would have gotten back to the king and the king would have believed it, then what happened is he would have cut everything out from underneath Nehemiah. You see, Sanballat wanted Nehemiah to be done away with. He wanted him out of the way, and it really didn't matter how it happened. But the cool thing here about Nehemiah is he didn't defend himself. He didn't get distracted. You know what he did? He prayed, and he stayed focused on the work. Look at this. Here's what it says. Then I sent a message to him. Nothing like these things that you are saying has been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. Wow, that's what he was saying. For all of these things, he says, they were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now God strengthened my hands. You see, listen to me. If you are passionate about something, you will eventually be criticized by other people. If you're passionate about something and you're thinking of what could be and what should be for God, somebody will question your motives because people will not understand your intensity. They will not understand your passion. They will not understand your focus. You see, there's a general distrust with those who are trying to do something good, especially if you are claiming to do it for God and not for personal gain. And so what I would say and what Nehemiah would say is don't be distracted. Take your frustrations to the one who got you into this. Just take your frustrations to him. Time will tell who is right. My mom used to always tell me, Dwight, truth and time don't always run hand in hand. 
And many times the things that they're accusing you about, impure motives, is really what they're guilty of. They're just self-projecting. And you're not going to be able to convince them otherwise. And so pour out your frustration, pour out your anger to your heavenly Father and keep working. There'll always be accusations when you have a vision and you're focusing on accomplishing something because you know what? Your vision bothers people because they don't have a vision. They're envious, they're jealous. It's convicting. And so they will test you by saying that your motives are impure. And so what you wanna do is you wanna just complete the project. That's how you silence your critics. Look what Nehemiah says. So the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it. They were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. You know what? Listen, Nehemiah's critics lost their confidence because they realized that God was involved. And listen, and nothing silences your critics like the completion of your vision. And if God is the source, if God is the reason, if God is behind it, okay, the day will come where even your hardest critics will have a difficult time explaining away what he has done in you and what he has done through you. You see, it's hard to argue with success. It's more difficult to argue with divine success. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he, God, who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. What God has determined will be. It's our responsibility to be faithful in doing that which could be and should be. Let me give you this last one as we wrap up, and that is fear. That's another distraction. Nehemiah had people who wanted to hurt him, who wanted to ruin his character. Sambala and Tobiah hired a guy to fabricate a story about Nehemiah being assassinated. And they were trying to force Nehemiah to make a decision that would discredit him, to speak fear into him. Hey, Nehemiah, someone's going to assassinate you. Someone's going to kill you. And so they wanted him to make a decision that, that would discredit him among the people. And Nehemiah records this in Nehemiah chapter six. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Huh? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? You see, if Nehemiah was in this for his own interest, he would have had every reason to run. Every reason to run but he knew that he was a part of something bigger. He knew that God was at work. He knew that God had called him to do that which should be and must be. And so here's Nehemiah's reply. No, I won't do that. I realized God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin by going into the temple, which he wasn't allowed because he wasn't a priest. Then they said they would be able to accuse me and discredit me. See, listen, every vision has elements of the unknown, and there'll always be the what-ifs that you'll have to work through. Hey, a single lady, all right, here's what you need to understand in your life. 
He's not what I'm really looking for, but what if no one else comes along? Hello, y'all okay? I, I, I know I need to say no to this promotion because it will, it will affect my marriage and my family. But what if it costs me a, a bonus? What, what, what if it costs me my job? You see, there's always the what ifs. Fear will grab you. This is why Paul says it like this in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a good mind. Fear is a form of focus. And we can get so focused on what might happen that we lose sight of what could be or what should be. Fear can cause you and I to begin to evaluate our situation on what bad thing might happen rather than what good thing might happen. And you cannot allow fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, to cause you to miss out on what God has for you and what he wants to do through you. Do not allow fear to ruin or rob you of the vision of your marriage, of your family, of your kids, of your relationship with Christ. Don't allow fear to distract you from what you believe could be and should be. Don't allow what could take place to cause you to look back from pursuing that which ought to take place. Don't do that. Worse than failure is living with the regret that you have stepped out in faith to pursue a vision. And you know what? You got distracted. You got distracted. You see, you don't want that. You don't want that. Here's what Nehemiah said. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. So they built the wall and it was finished just 52 days after we have begun when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it. They were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of God. You got to love that. Now listen to me. When you push against darkness, darkness will push back. And so what happens is you can't allow distractions of opportunity, of criticism, and of fear to rob you from pursuing what could be and what should be in your life. Nehemiah refused to be distracted by all of that. And guess what? He accomplished something in 52 days that they could not accomplish in 140 years. Wow. And so here's my invitation to each and every one of you. Beginning September the 8th, for 52 days, I'm calling all of us to be a part of a group. Matter of fact, those of you who, who are part of New Point, and you're a Christ follower, I'm asking you to lead a group. But you're saying, oh, but Dwight, I don't have a theological education. I haven't been to Bible school. I don't, Nehemiah was an ordinary man. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't any of those things. He just made himself available. And I'm asking you to make yourself available. And what we wanna do is we wanna offer six ways in which you can be in a group just for six weeks so that you and I can connect and care with people, so that we can help build, rebuild their walls of their life that have been torn down, and we can restore the gates of their life 
and that they can have hope and that we can be a Nehemiah. We can be a source of comfort and hope for them. And we can do that through our talk it over guys, which we have. And, and you can just say, hey, let's meet. We're gonna talk about a specific subject that was discussed on Sunday. Or renovate. Renovate is gonna be something that you can download on our webpage. And, and it'll take you through a, a time of where it will reveal to you maybe the hurts and the habits and the hangups in your life that God wants to bring healing and restoration to, or it may be journables, and journables is this right here. Okay, you ready for this? And you can pick these up for $10. And what I'm encouraging people to do is do the book of Ephesians. And all you do is you meet with a group of people, you read a chapter, there's six chapters in the book of Ephesians, you read a chapter a week, and you make comments on it. And when you gather for maybe an hour, you just say, here's what spoke to me in chapter one. That's it. That's it. You don't have to be a theologian. Or you know what else? I want to encourage you to, to, to pick up one of these. There's six round tables. They're values. We got the, we've got the value of, of hope, the value of, of respect, the value of listening, the value of forgiveness, the value of ethics. Who doesn't need that? The value of developing people. And you can take that into your workplace. You can take that into your schools. You can take that into your community. And, and it just takes about 30 to 45 minutes to go through that. And we'll help you. We'll give you training on that. Just let us know. And here's what I promise. You will become known as a Nehemiah, one who restores, one who rebuilds, one who brings comfort. You see, God used Nehemiah in this way, and this God that he had never seen and never heard speak audibly became very, very real to him. And you know what? If you'll step out in 52 days, I promise you this God will become very, very personal in your life, and you'll begin to see him and experience him in ways that you've never had before. And so I'm asking you in the 21 days of prayer that you're praying, who could I invite to be a part of my group? Who can I invite to be able to help them? I know that they need hope. I know that they need healing. I know that they need encouragement. I know that they need comfort. I'm asking you to do that. And let's see what God would do in 52 days all throughout our campuses. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for Nehemiah just an ordinary guy who believed in you and made himself available. And he saw what was, and he said, you know what, it shouldn't be that way. And he began to think what could be and what should be, and it was fueled by a conviction that it must be. And you did something in him and through him that got the attention of everybody, and he brought comfort and hope, and he rebuilt walls and restored gates that brought a sense of security and stability to people. And you want us to be able to do that. What a day that we're living in of where so many people are looking for something to put their hope in. They're looking for a way to rebuild their lives and restore what has been lost. And you wanna use us and do something in us and through us that can only be attributed 
to only God. May we say yes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.